All right, and we are recording. So, Jeff Harmon, thank you for being on the show again. Um, Welcome. Yeah, it's Sunday, November 5th. It's 11.38 a.m. here in the Arizona desert. It's uh, 10.38 a.m. over in California. And we're going to talk to Jeff Harmon today. It's it's jeffharmon.com if you want to check his site out while you're listening. And we're we're going to ask Jeff a question. Um, and also talk about the north the north node, of course, always that equals the north and the south node, of course, since they you know are one one side of this two sides of the same thing. But so Jeff Harmon, how you doing today? And the state of the world, what what's your take on the state of the world this moment? Well, um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's that's a big question. A big I mean, question. the state of the world really ever since 2020, has been upside down. We're seeing the effects of it right now. And, you know, I, I always like to quote George Carlin. He was right. You know, forget the politicians, you have owners. And it's very transparent when you see what's going on. I mean, clearly the people at the top of the pyramid who print the money and influence and, you know, splash the money around whichever direction they want it to go are, are causing a lot of trouble right now. Uh, ever since, you know, this current administration's in, we're seeing the the repeat of Obama. It's really a third term of Obama. Mm-hmm. And essentially, they're now fortifying Iran. And this is the same game the bankers played back in World War One and World War Two, especially World War Two, where they funded both sides of the coin. <clears throat> and then, you know, when there's a problem, someone says, oh, geez, you know, something must be done, right? Atrocities are happening. Well, this is the same thing I think that's happening right now is you take an existing situation like the Palestinian Israeli, and we've seen the Middle East, you know, have dissension for thousands of years. These many of these tribes have hated each other. And now we've got a banding together and they fund it. And of course the West and Israel is going to defend themselves. And, um, we've got a very dangerous situation, even uh, what's very interesting about, you know, the topic today is you wanted to speak about the nodes. Well, what the nodes are is their eclipse points. They, they don't really exist in a physical sense, but they're mathematical and they have like a shadow that they cast in the sky. And um, we had an eclipse happen right on the 14th of October. And that was a full uh, lunar eclipse. Now, you wouldn't have seen that unless you were in the southwest of the United States or in certain trajectories to see that. But it was exceedingly powerful. I saw it. I actually had the glasses and I checked it out and it was pretty cool. Um, But what does that eclipse really mean? You know, it's because eclipses are very mysterious. They tend to have energy show up right before and right after. And of course, we had all this crazy stuff come in in Israel and the whole disruption in the Middle East, and it precursored it. It clearly did. And then the eclipse happened on the 14th, and then we had the echo, which is the other uh, full moon eclipse, which is also uh, related to that same eclipse series. Then there's a lot of mystery to eclipses throughout history. There's been a lot of lore. One of the coolest things about the ancient Chaldeans, Egyptians, they actually logged these things. And no one really is sure 100% who logged them, but certainly the Chaldeans get credit for this one, um, where they had noted that the eclipses actually start 
at the North and South Poles, and they serpentine around the globe up until sometimes 1,500 years, sometimes more, sometimes less, and they become a series of energies. Well, the one that happened this October was a very dangerous eclipse. eclipse. It, it, it basically uh, was very passionate, very volatile, and very violent, and I don't think we need to have that description to know that's exactly what happened in the world. And <clears throat> I really believe we are seeing a new one world order that's been strongly heading in this direction for many years, many years. In fact, Eisenhower warned about this way back in the late fifties. It has been coming true systematically. Uh, anyone who tries to disrupt this direction gets vehemently attacked or killed. I mean, mm -hmm. look at, uh, look at JFK. I mean, got sh they shot. Oh him. yeah. You know, and then RFK, same thing. Now RFK Jr.'s running. Is he going to get in? It'd be nice if he did, but he won't. Um, uh, the owners don't want that. And uh, we see the same thing going on with Trump right now. Now I'll get hate mail for if I mention anything positive or negative about Trump. But I can just say the poor guy is being pummeled right now, and the owners don't want him in because he'll actually do something. He'll put the country back on track. When you look at what's going on in the United States and in Europe and in Australia, New Zealand, and so many other countries uh, around the globe, they're choking off the energy supplies under the guise that you're all going to die in two years or five years from climate change, right? And mm -hmm. it's, it's a total ruse. Any of your real scientists will tell you the sun goes through cycles. They're, they're called grand solar minimums. And uh, this is repeated before. I mean, my God, we've had ice ages and we didn't have any SUVs and farting cows back then. No. So <laughs> this is uh, a, a total ruse in my opinion. And they're playing on this. And what they're doing is they're shutting down the energy systems, choking off the ability for the economy to function properly. I mean, when you raise diesel fuel alone, you are going to affect every single corner of the, the society as we know it. Why? Everything comes to us either by boat, trains, or trucks. And when you increase the cost of their operations, which is exactly what diesel fuel does when they jack it up so high, it just thwarts everything. So there's so many people going bankrupt right now, far more than is being reported. Uh, the job losses are catastrophic. And then, of course, they're adding AI on top of it. And then let's not add to the fact that they're flooding the border with criminals, and they are, mm -hmm. and they're flooding it with drugs, fentanyl, that are killing people left and right. They are funding the... Um, fine district attorneys who are letting criminals out with no cash bail. And um, they're, they're basically blindsiding America from every angle, every angle. They're doing it through the political situation. They're doing it through the financial. They're raising interest rates. The Fed has never raised interest rates uh, like it's been doing uh, during a, a, a recession. And we have a recession, even though the mind control oh, yeah. media call it that. We have a recession. And uh, they're jacking up interest rates. Well, the last time they did anything similar to this was right before the Great Depression. This one's worse because back then they weren't thwarting an already thriving or functioning economy. <clears throat> they Now we have you know such infrastructure in place, so it's much harder to do. And uh, so they're, they're hitting us with every angle. And 
you know, one of the things I've been talking about on my podcast, and I, I really recommend people also go to my podcast, it's Jeff Harmon, Vedic Astrologer, or Jeff Harmon Astrologer on YouTube. And we've been talking systematically about this, where um, the astrology on the United States and globally is exceedingly dangerous right now, exceedingly, and especially coming up at the end of this month. And speaking of the topic you want to get into, the nodes, which are the eclipse points, or it's really when the sun and the moon and the earth align, we're going to have the nodes in the sidereal zodiac leave the fire trine, or the North Node does, and it goes into a water trine. And whenever it does that, that's a fancy word in Vedic astrology called Gandanta. It's very volatile. Um, just think of a, of a fire that's flaming and also, boof, you put it out, or vice versa. So these are very volatile shifts in energy. And that happens right at the end of this month, uh, right around the 30th of November. And what's more important is that also coincides with a very powerful progression on the United States birth chart. It's called a primary directed or solar arc directed Mars conjuncting the United States moon. Ooh. And you don't need to know yeah. much about astrology to know that Mars and the moon is trouble. And all we need is one event and hell will break loose <clears throat> with riots and all kinds of other things. I mean, they're catching people coming across the border right now with explosives. Wow, really? Oh. Yeah, and that's only what they're catching. Um, oh, yeah. I've heard the rumors that the Maquiladora, which is all the factories that were put in by the major auto manufacturers and then later uh, exited to China, are empty. And that has been filled with potential not only drug lords, but terrorist organizations. And they may have tunneled at certain points into the United States. And of yeah. course, if I know about it and other people know about it, I'm sure the military does. But when you're told to stand down or not do anything, um, <clears throat> again, it's uh, the military is controlled by the politicians and the politicians are controlled by the bankers. So mm -hmm. there you have it. Yeah. And the, and the military does not necessarily know. It's all very, very compartmentalized who they're dropping that cruise missile on. So it's one of those things. Yeah, well, so, just look, look, look what happened to Patton. That'll give you an idea what goes on there, you know? Yeah. I mean, they killed him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a controversial character. But he did love the country, and he did he did want to succeed. He wanted America to succeed, but he got mm. a little bit too sparky for the globalists, and they took him out. But, well, one thing about the, the border down south is that, I mean, me, you know, being in Arizona, um, if you go, well, people don't tend to venture over there, but if you go to the border fence and you go and look over it, and if you go through one of the many holes, um, there's passports from other countries littering the desert. I mean, it's actually quite something to see. So people get to the border, drop their passport, walk in, and they're Juan from Guatemala. Guatemala, sorry. And it's like, no, you're not, but you can't really question that. That's Juan from Guatemala. So yep. yeah, that border is, is especially being here in Arizona, we're like very aware of that. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, I don't know if people completely understand it sometimes because it is a very political issue and they think it's a political issue. And I guess you could say that it is, but um, anybody can walk across our southern border. <laughs> I mean, if that matter, if, if it doesn't matter to a person, I guess it doesn't matter. But it, they really can, and they really are. Um, 
And yeah. so Gandanta, does that just oh, translate to, to to water? Is that? Well, it's fire and water. It's fire it's whenever. Water. Yeah, it's what you see in, in Vedic astrology or in any type of astrology, you have trines which are very important. They're called the earth, air, fire, and water trines. They're the elements. And what's interesting is when you get back, you know, to the real astrology, which was astronomy before the love, light, and clueless sun sign stuff came in in the 60s and the late 1800s, um, you really get that it's astronomy. So the trines also are related to something you may have heard of, the four archangels, right? Archangel Michael is fire and kinetics. Archangel Gar Gabriel is the water and the fluids that are all in this physical plane. Raphael is air and gases and all things related to that. And then you have uh, uh, Oreo, which is the earth spirits. You know, and science laughs at this stuff, but yet quantum physicists are saying something very intelligent seems to be operating in the molecular structure. Proof of that is look at the neutrinos, how they react to consciousness and matter shifts on consciousness. So it's it's a very interesting veil that this physical world lives in from the spiritual realms that I believe are absolutely there. And uh it's it's proven and and you know astrology is really quite possibly the portals or modulators of these angelic forces. When you get into the older stuff, particularly uh you start heading back pre-1700s, way back into, you know, the Alexandrian times when Egypt was shining, there was all kinds of diagrams that showed the hierarchies in the planets. There were archangels, there were angels, there were spirits, there were intelligences. And even the moon's nodes are referred to as the serpent. Uh, there's an ancient legend in Vedic astrology that says when God was giving the immortal potion to all the planets or imbuing them with angels, more, we might more say in the West, this demon snuck in and it also became immortal. And God saw this and threw a discus at it and cut it in half. Now that's kind of a legend that's a bit metaphoric. But what's interesting about this is you get into some of the ancient Hebrew and Chaldean and Greek legends that there was the demon Nama, and this relates to the nodes. And um, what's interesting is it's referred to as the serpent, and that might be because the um, eclipse points start at the north and south poles. So it's really, really fascinating stuff here. I'll show you. Here's a diagram. We can jump online here. Or we'll, we'll go to a screen share, and I'll show you. So yeah. if we go <clears throat> to um, the entire screen here, yeah, there we go. Let's. Uh, you may have to edit this, my friend. I don't know if you're live or not, but uh, this is a, an interesting diagram because you can see here the north node is referred to in Vedic astrology as Rahu. Of course, Western astrologers will call it the north node. And... It represents something very important in the psychology of humanity. And this is what they call Kala Purusha, or it's the perception of reality of time. And it, Shakespeare was right. The whole world's a stage and we're the actors. And Rahu just might be the script 
we're all in in this illusion of time. And, you know, mm -hmm. many of the yogis of India that, that uh, I've had a chance to study with in the past, they all say, well, the whole physical world's an illusion, right? And I always say, well, drop a brick on your foot and call me on the first of the month. It doesn't seem like an illusion to me, right? Especially when yeah. you have health issues. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, they're right. Why? Because the south node, which is the upside down horseshoe I'm pointing at here, is K2. K2 represents liberation. Now, there's a word called moksha. You can see it right here. Moksha means, there's several meanings, but one of them is liberation from the bondage of reincarnation on the soul. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. And when in Vedic astrology, in Nadi, I, I look at this all the time. When you have a transit, uh, the nodes actually go around the earth about 18 and a half years. They, they, they slowly move backwards around, around the earth. And of course, that's when we have eclipses, is when they line up, which is really not them lining up. It's the sun, the moon, and the earth's ecliptical longitude and latitude line up. That's when we get an eclipse, which can only happen on a new or a full moon. So that's really what these nodes are, is they're mathematical points, but they're actually like portals. And my experience is you and I and most people will exit the physical plane known as death when K2 in Nadi astrology joins the planet of karma, Saturn, and Rahu, the moon's north node, will align in a very specific way with Jupiter. And the reason why Saturn is karma, Jupiter is the blessings upon the soul in Nadi astrology. And I have found this, you also have to have Mars also mixing up with the nodes in some type of trinal or conjunctional aspect. And when that happens, you're out of here. I've even seen when people have degenerative diseases, um, these nodes will have been sustained over those positions for like a year, year and a half. And then they're so weakened in older age, they, they just go right after it takes a Mars transit and they trigger. Now, I have also seen people exit the physical plane at very, very old ages, like people who start getting in their 90s or 100 years old. It's very mysterious. My grandmother died at 102 and she did not have these exact alignments. She did have K2 over Saturn, which was enough to tip the scales. Um, but she lived to a great age. And again, today, if you if you start hitting your late 80s and 90s, you've done pretty good. Why? Because you've lived through the third Saturn return. See, mm -hmm. Saturn returns on a birth chart right between the ages of 28 and 29. It's usually about somewhere between 28 and 29 and a half latest, somewhere in that area. It's not exact for everyone uh, because of the position Saturn was when you were born, retrograde or direct, etc. But that's pretty much it. And that's what I call the end of Act 1 in your life. Act 2 ends right between 58 and 59, 59 and a half latest. And that is when you will have your second Saturn return. And then you enter what I call Act 3. And Act 3 ends somewhere in your mid-80s, usually around 84 to 86 latest. And again, that can vary a little bit depending on the ratios of Saturn and your birth chart. But overall, um, that's the end of Act 3. You make it past that, I call it the reprise and the exit music, you're clearly going to find that uh, things are going to change. So the nodes really... Um, 
are powerful. And I've, I've seen so many people, they just keep on trucking until, I mean, I, I know I, I used to be around a lot of old guys back in the seventies. I mean, they'd be smoking and drinking 85, 90 years old, puffing away. And they just, they just kept right on going, you know? So it was amazing stuff. And um, a lot of, a lot of interesting things about the human condition. And by the way, just to note the, the I believe the nodes are directly related, well, they are, to the angularity of the Earth. So there's a lot of astronomy here. And, and I can say that if the angularity of the axis is tip or change, we might also see the nodes change. So this is very interesting stuff, how the astronomy or geometry of the Earth and the sun and the moon are directly related to potential longevity on this planet. We hear in the in the Bible and in many ancient documents, many people used to live hundreds of years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That might be why. Oh, wow. That's really something. So, well, so the north and south node in a person's chart, I think it's something that gets, uh, like one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about that was, I think it gets overlooked quite a lot. Like you mentioned, um, uh, that is a very good quote. I could definitely make a, 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 a t-shirt out of that where you said a love, light and cluelessness <laughs> because that'd be a great t-shirt, love, light and cluelessness. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, Sunshine right astrologies love, light and cluelessness. It's not, not that they're, you know, no, everyone I, yeah. out there, yeah, on the internet, they all know yeah. their sun signs. Yeah, they all know their sun signs. Yeah, and that's the thing people will say um, with the sun sign astrology, they'll say, uh, yeah, I'm Capricorn, I'm this, I'm that. And it's like, well, that's just your sun sign, which is nice, but I wouldn't define myself simply as that. Or we would just have 12 different people on this planet <laughs> and that would be it. And that's not the case. So I think that, yeah, what I wanted to dive into the North and South Node a little bit is I've always found that in looking at a person's chart, you've got their rising, their moon, and their north and south node. And I think those might be the, th the three most defining parts of a person's chart. Well, there's a lot of defining parts. Yeah, and the angel on the eastern horizon, too. Yeah, the, you know, that's the problem with astrology is, is understanding what is significant. And... You know, again, many people, Linda Goodman was probably the one who popularized sun sign astrology the most. She or she certainly capitalized on it the most, I'll say that. Um, where, you know, that was such a hit in the 60s when she came out with those books in 70s. And it might have been even the late 70s, I think. But the sun sign astrology um, really hit home because it was simple. And uh, people could just say, oh, I'm a Gemini, I'm a, you know, Aquarius, I'm a this, and everything under the sun was rattled off about what those sun signs are. And that's kind of a shame because astrology is so much more deep than that. Um, when you get, again, into the older stuff, you're really looking at the angelic imprint of the soul. And, you know, I, I want to go back here and show another diagram, which is one of my favorite. I show this a lot on my YouTube channel. This is a diagram that I had actually put together uh, many years ago from a composite of different studies that I was in. And I love this diagram. You can see right here, this is the hierarchical structure 
or at least a plausible structure of creation. I think it's much more complex than this, but at least we can look at a diagram and get our lower minds to relate to something this complex. Whatever your concept of God is, <clears throat> the um, God is above creation, right? However you want to say it. Now, some people today, they don't even believe in God. They just say, oh, it's a higher power. Whatever works for you. But something very divine and intelligent is way up above. They say our souls are created right where I'm circling here with the cursor. Well, mm -hmm. this is an Aramaic word called absolute. And what it means is the worlds where divinity and souls are created. And they claim these are the angels that rule this domain and surround the, thr uh, surround the throne of God, which is the seraphim's cherubims and the thrones. And to give you an idea how vast they purport this is, it's 49 dimensions and 49 subdimensions. And even that's not relatable when you think of what is a dimension and how, you know, what is its time and space and all that. So, um, and this is outside of our reality of time and space for sure. Then you get into the Briatic worlds, which is where the waters of creation are supposed to get much more dense. And of course, these are the angels that rule this. And they claim there's many spiritual worlds here that are exceedingly complex. The third world down which is called the Yetzirahic world. Uh, many people may be familiar with a text that surfaced a long, long time ago called the Sefer Yetzirah, which mm -hmm. is in English means the book of formation. This is where the molecular structures are believed to now of time and space and perception of, uh, you could say, physical matter start to happen. This is where the amino gas clouds are, the rotating galaxies, all that. Um, and they claim there could be 49 parallel universes and 49 subdimensions therein. I don't know about you, my friend, but that one alone is way past mm -hmm my uh, comprehension, no matter how much coffee I drink. And the bottom line is, you see now the familiar words, archangels, angels, intelligences, and spirits. And of course, our little solar system is on the speck edge <clears throat> of the Milky Way galaxies. And of course, the flat earthers think it's all just a projection. But then you have the final world, which is called Asaya. Um, now, that is pronounced differently by some scholars, but that we'll just call it that today. Um, the bottom line is the what it really means is the astral planes. It's where the action of, you could say, the celestial universes interact with the physical spiritual world. And I call it the, um, you could say, the mixing pot where the souls and spirits manifest on the physical plane, which is called the earth. And so the earth, I, I always refer to it as a soul cauldron. We actually did a little podcast about that mm -hmm. on my YouTube channel. And it, it really is in my opinion. So why did I say all this? Well, first off, it's interesting because the stars, which we refer to as the suns in, in the universe might be portals to the upper divine worlds, mm. you know, and science is running around saying, well, it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, fission, it's fusion, it's this, it's that, it's uh, plasma. Um, we really, the more we listen to science, the more we realize they don't really fully understand. We know there's magnetics coming out of the sun. There's profound science and studying of this stuff. 
But, you know, every decade it changes or every new discovery, it changes on, wow, we didn't know this was happening. And there's something quite miraculous going on in the heavens with stars and black holes. And not only is our sun the absolute giver of life here, I mean, and it emits such a diverse spectrum of energies. And that's only what we know about. When you look at magnetics, you look at vitamin D. <clears throat> and of course, we hear about all these different gamma rays and various different things that are life-giving. Quite interesting. Well, in the Sefer Yitzirah, it actually states, and in the Nadi documents too, I might also add, see, in, in India, we have another set of texts that are quite profound called the Vedas. Mm -hmm. And within that comes a whole corpus of texts. You have the Rig Veda, the Ajur Veda, the black and white, all these different texts that are in the Vedas and quite fascinating stuff. And much of it is, crypt is in cryptology, uh, just like the Old Testament was in cryptology. And mm -hmm. we lost a lot with the Vulgate translations and the English translations. Why? Because we lost the codes and the numerology that were embedded within them. The Psalms as well. A lot of people don't know the Psalms may be up to 4,000 plus years old, and that's a complete intellectual guesstimate. Um, I don't know, but I've heard many scholars say, well, this could be up to you know 3,900 BC. And of course, they'll find another document some place in some buried tomb and say, oh my God, here it is. It's even older. So clearly it goes back to antiquity. And what's fascinating is how divinely magical some of these documents become when you decode the angels that are within them. A good example is, look at the 72 angels that are encrypted in the Bible under Exodus. There wow. is literally... Uh, and seven and two is nine. And this gets into some really, really deep stuff um, where we start seeing that there's 72 names of God. There's also in the Goetic magical documents, we have the 72 angels that surround the firmament. And this stuff goes way down the rabbit hole. And many people who are familiar with texts like the magical texts, like the Keys of Solomon, the Goetia, the lesser and greater Keys of Solomon, um, etc. There's There's many, many, many texts that purport and, and decode these things. And they're quite dangerous. It's also the seat of much uh, what we call theurgistical magic, uh, which, you know, John Dee was into this stuff with Queen Elizabeth and the Watchtowers and Enochian. In my opinion, mm -hmm. very dangerous stuff. Um, because these people would summon spirits and demonic forces and try and control them. So what we see here when we lift the curtain and go backwards and get Toto and the wizard out of the way, we find that um, we, we're, there's much more going on here than, than we'll ever fully know. And it's very divine. They actually say the guardian angel attaches the spirit, psyche, and soul to the embryo in the womb at conception, not at birth. And the period of gestation, which for most children is about nine months, give or take. And uh, when we exit the womb, they say that's when the celestial birth chart prints. They say the angel waits for the alignments in the heavens to be proper for that soul. And that's when we're born. So not only is the sun important, but so is 
the ascendant. See, the ascendant on the on on the earth, we are born. All of us are born somewhere at some time, right? And this is yes. why the skeptics of astrology will say, "Well, but you know, wait a minute. You know, what if two children are born at the same time? Well, okay. First off, they're not the same soul, and they'd have to be born at the exact location to get a chart that's exactly similar. And many people will realize if you've ever been around a surveyor. They'll tell you, you move something 500 yards out, oh, yeah. three inches, and you're going to, you know, it makes a big difference. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's when you look at the earth, this is the solar system right here. And if you shot a laser out into deep space and you stop looking just at the sun and the moon and the stars and looked at all of the deep uh, celestial stars and alignments, again, Nassau says we might be hurling around a central sun with our solar system close to a half of a billion miles an hour. Mm. If that's the case, uh, you can move a lot of time in a fraction of a seconds. You know, so time is relative. And, and going back to this whole diagram here, they actually say the suns is where divinity spreads out the concept of space, dimension, and time. And this was actually talked about on the Sefer Yitzhira. Then the moon is the containment of that space and time where it concretizes it into what we would call human time. And the Nadi astrology actually gets into all this stuff. It's very fascinating because when you look at this diagram right here, you can see the earth is beneath our feet. And you can see the human body here is contained, almost entrapped in a almost like avatar-like dimension when we're born here. <clears throat> I mean, this reality, I mean, this is why the media, the news, and the demonics can do what they do. Uh, they they can totally influence, and I don't think most of the people in the media even know what they're doing. They're just getting a paycheck and reading the teleprompter that tells them what to say and what issues to focus on <clears throat> after they have the meeting with their bosses telling them what to focus on. You know, mm -hmm. we've actually seen, I've, I've actually seen evidence where people have gotten out of major news networks and they've said, we get in meetings, we're caucused, we're told what to focus on, what not to focus on, and we read our teleprompters. You can mm -hmm. you watch their eyes. You can see their teleprompter, their, their eyes moving back and forth. Oh, yeah. So it's not that they're demonic necessarily. It's that you have a hierarchy which is controlled down in. So our whole world is programmed. Well, getting back to the nodes in Vedic astrology, there's yogas. And one of the big buzzwords that most Vedic astrologers use when they first get into it is Kalasarpa Yoga. Kalasarpa <laughs> Yoga means all planets are in between one of the nodes and the other node. And there's nothing on the other side. So this is really interesting stuff. And I remember when I first started studying Vedic astrology, I went, oh, my God, Kalasarpa Yoga has got to be horrible. Well, I've had thousands of clients with Kalasarpa yogas, and they they tend to be very powerful, and there's no two alike. And there's been, been many books written on Kalasarpa yogas, which is when all the planets are in between the nodes. Mm. Donald Trump has a Kalasarpa yoga oh. broken by the moon by literally 30 time unit minutes. It's about 20 minutes. If he'd have been born 20 minutes earlier, 
he would have had a full Kalasarpa Yoga, which means all the planets are in between. And every client I've ever read for who has a Kalasarpa Yoga, which is, again, a generalized term that just means it's a serpent yoga. Now, some people call it a serpent curse. And I haven't found it to be a curse. I've just found it to be a very powerful incarnation for that individual. And there ain't no two alike. You can't just say, oh, you got to call Sarpa Yoga. You have to examine where are the planets? What order are they in? You know, what planets are before and after? What yogas are they making? What houses do they rule? And the axis of where the two nodes are in your birth chart. So nothing simple. Um, I can tell you, when you look at astrology, especially Vedic astrology and the older classical astrology, you start seeing that every chart is completely individual, completely unique. Here, I'll put one more thing on the screen that's very interesting. This is central to Vedic astrology, and it is referred to as the 27 lunar mansions that surround the Earth. And they're known as nakshatras. <clears throat> now, I always joke around with the astronomers who walk away from most astrologers anyhow in disgust because they, <laughs> they know science and, you know, we don't. We're just, you know, airy-fairy nuts. And um, I actually love astronomy. In fact, a true ancient astrology is the science of astronomy, and it truly is. Galileo and so many of your older astrologers pre-1700 were astrologers slash astronomers, but they didn't call them astrologers. They called them astronomers. And mm -hmm. it was when the age of reason came in and logic and Darwinianism and all this stuff and Newtonianism, that's when everything went separate. You know, science became its own individual compartmentalized thing. And of course, uh, astronomy was part of that. And astrology went off to the wackos, right? So what I love is we're seeing this rejoin now. And what you see here is this is the 27 lunar mansions that Vedic astrology uses. Now, there's also 28 in other systems. And this shows you how old this stuff is because some of the naughty astrologers I've worked with use a 28 system lunar mansion. And so did the Chaldeans uh, and the Arabians were known to you know, look into that as well. So they actually called them the 27 or 28 Arabic mansions, which I don't know how Arabic they are, but they might be. Um, and, and what's interesting is the moon is the interface where spirit gets contained and it ends up manifesting on the spiritual physical plane of the earth mm -hmm. and isn't it interesting when you look at all of the glyphs of the planets they come from the circle which is the seed which is the sun where the soul squirts through in my opinion when it yeah. wants to incarnate and then the dad puts the seed in mom's womb farmer puts the seed in the ground the moon the crescent is indicative of the crucible where you could say the divine forces are contained now and given nurturing. And then we become manifest on the physical plane at first breath when the angel joins the spirit, psyche, and soul to the body at first breath on the four elements of the earth, which also equates to sunrise, noon, sunset, and midnight. 
in the, in the ancient texts of Nadi astrology, they actually have a phrase, many Vedic astrologers will be familiar with this, it's called lagna. Lagna is a strange word that has a real interesting etymology, and I've heard several different ones. You can look it up on the internet. Um, it means where spirit is contained or where spirit manifests. The Western astrologers will refer to that as the Eastern horizon or the ascendant. It's the ascendant. same thing. Yeah, the ascendant. That's where spirit is concretized. And this is why in your birth chart throughout your life, you will always look at what aspects the ascendant and it is a big and overlooked uh, thing i i in every reading i'm always paying attention to the angel that rules the eastern horizon and there's angels that literally are in every single degree and this rabbit hole goes way deeper in Nadi astrology and Vedic astrology. So you can see this is Vedic astrology. It looks much different than the West. See, that ASC right there is the Eastern horizon. This is sun at noon right here. This is the sun at mid, uh, at uh, sunset, and midnight is over here where the moon is. Of course, we're looking at the United States birth chart right now. And um, there's so many ways to look at astrology. And I have spent, you know, I can't believe it, but it's almost half a century since 1975. It'll be 50 years in, in 2025. And I have looked at so much different stuff. Some of it was really good. Some of it was a cul-de-sac. <clears throat> there's, there's a lot of stuff in astrology. And, and that's the art is, is to figure out what really carries gravity. <clears throat> and... Um, there's so many calculations for the part of spirit, the part of fortune, um, and the so-called Egyptian Arabic parts, which are all these mathematical computations between where different planets, the moon and the nodes are. Um, one in particular, you might be interested for this podcast, is there's something called the Brighu, uh, and this is after the Brighu Nandi Nadi, which was an ancient text that a a spiritual, <clears throat> um, you could say yogi or seer, who was called a rishi, had originally penned down some of the original Nadi texts, which uh, for anyone that's not familiar, Nadi astrology is a bit of a uh, an interesting term because, see, everyone knows Vedic astrology as Vedic. Its real name is called Jyotisha. A friend of mine might have been the guy who coined that. It was Chakrapani. I don't know if anybody's familiar with him, but Chakrapani died here a few years back. He was a really nice man. He came over here from India, and he said, Americans are never going to know what Vedic or, or what Jyotisha means, so we'll call it Vedic astrology. Mm -hmm. so he might have been the guy who coined that phrase. And you can see there's many branches, and these are just a few. There's what they call Nadi Jyotisha. There's... Uh, Parashara, named after Maharishi Parashara, um, Parasha Jyotisha. There's Jaimini Jyotisha. That's just a few. There's all kinds of divisions because India is so old. This stuff goes back into the mists of time. But one favorite of mine is Nadi Jyotisha. And why, why I like that, many people may have heard of the Nadi palm leaves. Uh, those are quite interesting. Anyways, why I bring that up is because in Nadi Jyotisha, or Nadi astrology, there is a point 
called the Brighu Bindu, which is in between where the North Node is and the Moon. It's a midpoint, mm. is all it is. You, you measure between the Moon in a birth chart or a country, and you also measure where the Moon's North Node eclipse point is when you were born. And that midpoint in between it becomes, they call, your Brighu midpoint. Now, they have the same thing in Western astrology. They have the part of spirit, the part of fortune, mm -hmm. um, and all kinds of things attached to these that can be analyzed. So you have a number of very complex yogas and configurations in a birth chart. And in my personal opinion, is it's truly beyond human analysis. <clears throat> it's the code of angels. And going back to that diagram earlier, we are not our astrology. You know, modern astrologers will run around telling, oh, you are a Pisces. You are an Aries. And I always say, no, we're spiritual beings having a physical experience. You know, you line up all the Aries and all the Pisces and all the sun signs on the planet side by side, and there ain't a single one of them the same, and there's never going to be. And what's so interesting about this is that Clearly, the astrology seems to be the matrix that the soul incarnates into in the magic of the womb for its physical karmic journey. And that was the total difference that attracted me to the, you could say, theoretical and philosophical differences in Vedic and Jyotish astrology. This white etheric energy is the soul force blessing that we all have that mm. contains not only the karma, but also your consciousness, which appears to go from incarnation to incarnation. And that, that legend I was telling you about where the spirit, psyche, and soul is tied into the body at first breath, they actually say there's a mark that's right there between our nose and our upper lip to make us forget. And it knocks us out. And that's actually shown here in this diagram. You can see there's a big thick dash line here that is kind of what psychology or psychiatry might call the division between the so-called conscious mind below and the so-called subconscious mind above. Mm. But a much better metaphor might be this is the present personality that we've developed since we we're spanked on the rear end and knocked out at birth, at first breath. And many people have deja vus, yes. which is in the matrix. Many people have dreams, uh, past life regressions, uh, on and on, where they get glimpses. But we don't all see all the time what's about us. And they actually say... In, in the Aramaic and Hebrew, there's something called the nefesh, or nefesh, and however you want to pronounce it. It's a Aramaic Hebrew word that's synonymous with the lower conscious mind. And that starts forming, they say, in the womb. And everything in our lower conscious mind, for the most part, is what we've learned watched, observed, or deduced through our deductive reasoning. But it's not us. I always call it the keyboard, the mouse, and the screen, if you want to use that modern analogy. Or the yeah. steering wheel, the gas pedal, and the brakes. Uh, whatever you want to use, it is our interface into this lower realm called Earth with these physical bodies. 
And it's miraculous when you think about the freedom we have as spirits to control a body like we do, a body that heals, a body that sleeps, a body that eats, a body that certainly will grow old and die. But what an amazing vehicle. I mean, AI has got a long way to go before they catch up even close to what portions of what the human body can do. It's stunning. You know, I mean, just look at the optics of your eyes better than any mm -hmm. camera or how many K cameras they come out with. It's an 8K camera. It's a 12K. Yeah. Your eye is stunning. The megapixels of the human eye. I forget what it is. It's, it's like double what any normal camera is. And proof of that is we see all the new cameras coming out. And we're able yeah. to see. That's how good the camera is in our head. And, and also the miraculous ways that, you know, the, the vision is taken and light spectrum is taken and inverted in the mind and converted into our perception of, of the depth and all that and, and color. It's stunning. And, and let alone talking about the human ear and, and touch and smell. It's, it's stunning. I mean, your body is producing, the second you put something in your mouth, your body's already producing stomach acids commensurate with what it's going to take to break it down. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, let, AI tr let AI try and do that one right away. And they're not going to do it. So amazing stuff in the physical realm, but yet it's not us. And they say up above that, this is known as Saturn is right above what uh, psychology mm -hmm. likes to call so-called subconscious mind. <clears throat> and, Notice there's words for these. The nefesh or nefesh is the lower perception of reality. This is the one that can be programmed to hate, to love, to learn almost anything. But yet we see these people who are prodigies in music and, mm -hmm. and various different things in math and sciences or physical skills. Where do they get this? Well, that's where they say the upper bleeding of the soul comes down and influences what they call the Ruach or Rosh. And this is the spirit. And the karma seems to be contained. I always say Saturn might be the karmic gunny sack, <clears throat> which is what we carry around from lifetime or incarnation to incarnation. Mm. And then you have, and that's called the Neshama. Uh, which is a strange word that means the collective karmas that influence the current ones. Hmm. Now, Nadi astrology actually gets into looking at where you're at on the ladder of incarnations. You can see previous incarnations. You can see also what this one's about. See, they have divisional charts called the Trimsamsa, which gets into what karmas are you bearing this incarnation? <clears throat> There's also what we call doshas. Doshas are time lords that are based off the lunar mansions. And there's many doshas, but the, the one mainly used right now in this time period is called the Vimshatori dasha. It's based off the lunar mansion you were born in. And it's very specific. It actually breaks each one down into a, a 13 degree, 20 minute uh, division, and then four of those inside of that. So it, it really, Vedic astrology is nothing quite like it in the, its mathematical divisions of the astronomy. <clears throat> um, even though there's a lot of similar things in traditional astrology as well, they have all kinds of things. You know, there are points, the Fridera, there's the progressions and secondaries. Again, I, I, there's an old saying, God might have 
confused us not only with languages, but I think they confused the astrology as well, that where the ancient knowledge was just scattered. And um, it's a shame because we're, we're certainly attempting to put this together. Like, here's a good example. You take the United States right now. Why is it going yes. through a crap storm? Well, here's something you can actually see. Watch, I'm going to put up, this is the U.S. birth chart on the inner wheel. And on the outer wheel, this is the transits out here. So the inner wheel where I'm circling here is the U.S. birth chart. The outer wheel is the transits. Well, notice Pluto, which takes about 245 to 250 years to go around the solar system. And even though the astronomers laugh at Pluto, well, it's too little to be a planet, right? And then they <laughs> change the mind, they put it back in. Um, only thing I can tell you, and I don't care how big or little it is, it's certainly, they, they say mm -hmm. C4 and dynamite comes in small packages too. Yeah. And I can tell you that uh, Pluto packs a punch. And Pluto right now is returning on the United States birth chart. And what's powerful about that is Pluto has been observed throughout history to be the destroyer, or you could say nations either are destroyed or they rise out of the ashes as the phoenix. <clears throat> so Pluto, the Roman Empire, broke up on the first Pluto return. Uh, on the second, it was actually destroyed <clears throat> completely. It dissolved. And of course, mm. it's been dissolved mm. ever since. So the United States is on its first Pluto return. And um, it's actually going to happen three times this coming year, right there. You can see the astrologers use something called a circle with a lineup. You might be able to see it. It's pretty small. In the oh, screen. I see it. Yeah. yeah. But right there, you, you could even zoom in on this. But uh, the bottom line is <clears throat> the first Pluto return, you can see the date is February of 2024. The second one comes back. See, Pluto will retrograde and go backwards mm. and join again next July. And then the final hit will be in the right at the end of 2024, beginning of 25. This country will either not be here as we know it, or, or it could be the phoenix rising out of the ashes. I lean towards the latter because of the strength of this country, even though the owners have gone out of their way to infiltrate, destroy it from every angle. Um, but, you know, again, I always say divinity and God is above the astrology, and there are forces above astrology. But what's interesting about astrology is whether you believe it or not, it you, you can't deny that the effects that mm -hmm. coincide with the celestial alignments are right on. 9-11 happened on a Saturn-Pluto opposition, almost to the day. The um, banks crashed in 2008, catastrophic, right around uh, the Saturn-Pluto square. World War One and the Federal Reserve Act happened on a Saturn-Pluto conjunction, very close to it. So we could go back and talk about this repeatedly. And you can see throughout history, the celestial alignments of these things. Yeah. And uh, another, gosh, I, I forget the name of it, but uh, another uh, big bank here in the U.S. crashed on on Friday. It it, it went the uh, FDIC route. So sorry, I don't remember which one it was, but that's like the second oh, yeah. big, big bank that we've had to uh, have to be bailed out. And the one that failed, sorry, I can't remember the name, um, but there was no warning. It just 
that was that that's what happened that day on Friday. So we're we're seeing big events. You bet we are. And we're going to see a lot more. Um, this again, you can see right here on the screen, Saturn is stationing and has been stationing since the end of October, since about October 23rd, all the way up until the middle of this month. It's probably right around the 14th of November. Saturn is stationing right over the top of the U.S. moon. In fact, you can actually see that here in what we call the Nadi astrology. The computer's a little slow. But right here, you can see Saturn just went direct yesterday on uh, the 4th of November. And what's interesting here is Saturn going direct now moves back over the top of the United States moon between now and the middle of this month. So this is really, really powerful, powerful stuff. And, you know, again, astrology is complex and you have to sort through the fly specks and the pepper versus what really matters. And I can tell you uh, the biggest one we have right now is this Mars by secondary, no, it's by primary direction going over the United States moon. Here, I'll show you that. I'll give you a visual on that. So this chart, notice the outer wheel. We were just talking about Saturn over the moon and Pluto returning to the United States, Pluto by transit. That's what's in the sky. But these are much older. These are called solar arc directions. And what is a solar arc direction? Well, you advance in a birth chart or a, a country chart, each planet one degree per year. It's actually quite simplistic in its calculations. And it's a form, it's it's one of the families of what we call primary directions. There's many ways to do this, but this one really works. And you can actually see right here on this, well, it's visually right here. This is the planet Mars by primary direction. It took 247 years to go from here when the founding fathers signed the Declaration of Independence to right here. And it's now going over the United States moon, plain English. <laughs> uh, and that's right when the nodes transform from the mm. Gandanta we mentioned earlier, the north node is going to jump from Aries back into the water sign of, of uh, Pisces. And I can tell you, I hope I'm wrong. I really do. Uh, this is one, uh, you know, forecast I would hope to be wrong on. Um, but this could really be trouble. We might be right around the corner from some very violent things. And, you know, they've caught, you know, again, people coming over the border with all kinds of stuff. There's potentially a million and a half people have escaped. They don't even know who they are. And let's, you know, one of the things none of the news media talks about is United has been and the UN has been flying these people yes. into this country. They don't have to come across the border, folks. They're being flown right in here. They're being dropped off, patted on the back and armored and sent on their way for whatever their task is. And a lot of them have been interviewed or a couple, and they have said, well, the UN brought us in. Well, isn't that interesting? So, yes. um, and they're, they're also being shipped in through the Panama Canal and then buses show up and give them a nice ham sandwich and on their way up here, they come. So, you know, it's, it's, um, this is an orchestrated event. Yes. This is an orchestrated event of the destruction of America from all angles. And this lines up with the astrology. 
and hell could be coming to breakfast with the progressions that I see. Next, um, you can actually see it here. Saturn is going to go over the United States Mars next, um, uh, I think, September. Yeah, it's right in the middle of September. So we don't come out of the woods in this country until into 2025. And of course, um, with these aspects, I'd be surprised if we even did have an election. Um, you know, this is the oldest trick in the book. You create a major problem, everybody reacts, and then they rush in with the planned solution. And this is right where we're at. And um, I hope I'm wrong, but, you know, my last podcast on my YouTube channel was basically saying, yeah. folks, don't get blindsided. You know, I don't want to create fear because you can't live in fear. And again, if you go back full circle and you really realize we are spiritual beings having a physical experience, we ain't really these bodies. But yet on the flip side of the coin, these lives are very important. And we all want to be safe. We all want to, you know, be in a place where, you know, we're not in insanity. And I can tell you that um, we're, we're in, a, in, a, in a dicey role right now. We, we truly, truly are. And uh, here, let me go back off screen share here. But um, yeah, these, these are dangerous times. They really are. And the astrology mirrors it. And globally, this nodal shift, meaning the moon's north and south nodes, are going to jump from this fire trine into the water. And of course, the south node will be going from air into earth. So these are abrupt. Yeah. And I think that we're in this moment where many people, I think they were born with it or they came to realize it throughout their life, but they have felt something's coming, something's coming, something's coming. And I, yeah, would, say we're, we're, I, think... I, I, I would say we're in that moment where it has come, <laughs> in my opinion. We're yeah. in it. We're, we're in what was coming. Well, fear has always been present in the uh, in in the world, from what I've observed. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember in 1977, a friend of mine owned a theater, and he said, "Jeff, you got to come with me." You know, and he marches me in to watch the movie, "The Late Great Planet Earth," which was narrated by Orson Welles. And um, you know, by the time I got done watching that, I went, "Geez, you know, we're going to all be dead by 1985, right?" Axis tips, thousand mile hour winds, nuclear war. You oh know. yeah. So fear, you know, the end of the world and Jesus is coming always. You know. So, and and neither one of it happens. Um, you know, at least not in the physical sense. And I, I will say that uh, clearly, um, we're we're seeing a time here that's really where these things could happen because I, again, I, I find the astrology or the astronomy was is really what it is. Uh, alignments really do matter. And I think they've been on an agenda. Eisenhower warned about it in the fifties. Um, the iron mountain report, you listen to these things, these bankers and these people at the top of the pyramid, you know, Elon Musk was just speaking about how he thinks the billionaires yes. are eugenicists, and he's not wrong. They they seem for some reason to get so out of touch with reality that you know they're better and they have the right to exterminate half the population. I mean, the Gates Foundation has done more experiments on vaccines in innocent children in Africa than anywhere else. I mean, it's been hideous. 
I, I think they, they introduced a lot of diseases there and then see if they could put them out. So it's been an experimental ground. And just like COVID was a very dangerous release of things, there's all kinds of theories on that. I call it the pandemic. And yes. it was 2020, we had two extremely important alignments. The Saturn-Pluto conjunction, you could have set your watch to when COVID broke out. Literally could have set your watch to it. The 2020 uh, winter solstice brought us a 240-year, it's not exact but close, um, conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn in a new element. See, the Industrial Revolution began, I believe, the founding forefathers of this country knew they were on the precipice of a new era. And that's why America and all this uh, was such a, a vital thing to not only the colonists and the founding forefathers, but we had help to get where we were. The French and other countries were, were definitely behind this. And um, what's interesting is we also had, and that brought us the Industrial Revolution. And we went from horses and buggies uh, to where we are now, which is stunning when you look back. And in 2020, on the winter solstice exactly, we had a tropical conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn in a new air trine. And what does that mean in plain English? High-tech era. Never before, AI has been around in 2001 and all these movies for a long time, Blade Runner. But now it's become a part of just society. You know, everybody's yes. AI this, AI that, cell phones and smartphones. And the smarter the phones get, the stupider we seem to get. But, Seems uh, that way. Yeah. Well, Elon Musk also said something which I thought was very interesting. He, he did it on, I think he was on the Joe Rogan podcast. And uh, our friend George, George S., George, George Soros came up. And Elon yeah. Musk actually said that he believes that Soros hates humanity. And I thought, wow, that that that's an interesting thing to uh, to to come up. I mean, do I think it's true? Yeah, but so there's a lot of uh, truth come to light. It's funny. There's a uh, let's remember it's like Gandalf said. You know, it's not just the forces of evil behind the scenes in this world. So I thought that was a real. I, right. I, I would look. I, I almost want to. I'd almost look at the astrology of that day because what was that? To me, that's one of those things where maybe maybe most people didn't see it, didn't really notice it. But I thought, this is a big deal. This is a big deal that this being this is being said. Like Elon Musk, don't like him, doesn't matter. He has a huge audience. People listen to him. But he says has an effect. And that's something I think no, on a certain level, a world leader, I would say Musk is in a way, actually just really stated, hey, look, this dude's evil. And you need to watch out. He's destroying your cities. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, one thing and, about and not only him, you, you know, you got to look at, okay, all this money that's being printed and floated and yes. very, very organized is coming from somewhere. No one's sitting there with gold behind them, you know, stacked to, to the uh, top of the beanstalk with, you know, all this collateral. This is a very sophisticated, very uh, old banking cartel. And when you look at who's behind that, there's, you know, we hear all these stories of human trafficking and this horrible stuff of, you know, sacrificing and so on and so forth. Doesn't mm -hmm. it sound a lot like the ball legends that we used to hear about where the sacrificing of the firstborn and all this, it's very interwoven mm -hmm. throughout history. 
And these demonic forces seem to possess people in positions of power, worldly power. And we're, we're clearly seeing this. It's not that everybody that's rich is evil, because that's not true. There's a lot of good people who are rich that might be helping this effort to counterbalance this. But clearly, you know, there are, George Soros is the name we hear. The people yes. up above the pyramid, those are the ones who nobody knows who they are, nobody knows where they are, other than some of the upper elite forces. And this is where I think the battle's going on right now. And I think... When you look at it, uh, it's a it's a battle between not only nationalism and new world orderists, but it's also a battle between good and evil, because yes. they don't care. When when you know, I always tell people get a copy of the Constitution. I have a book here. I don't know if it's right in front of me anymore, but it was a really good book. It was on the writings. Yeah, I'm trying to look at my shelf here and see if I can spot it. Um, but it, it was all the writings for the. Um, yeah, here it is right here. This is an interesting book. Um, it was put out. It's called The U.S. Constitution and Other Writings. I think it was put out by Pembroke uh, Press. No, Canterbury Classics. And it's uh, that. And then also, I love the U.S. Constitution. This this is uh, really an amazing book. You can get it for seven, eight bucks. People ought to read it, especially young people. They ought to realize just how divinely inspired this Constitution and the Bill of Rights is, and we are seeing absolute flagrant violations of everything in this right now. I mean, yeah. the censorship, the suppression, the bending of media, the lawfare that's going on. And this is, you know, everybody hears about Trump, but I see this going on all over the place where literally there are attorneys out there who will defend legal aliens and destroy companies, destroy companies by lawsuits you can't win. I know I've got clients who've had this happen to them where you, you get somebody screams, Oh, I was mistreated. And the state will step in and back the whole effort. And that company will either end up paying huge amounts of restitutions. And if they can't, they go bankrupt. And this is an effort that has been much deeper than, than we'll know. The, the legal system is the finest system money can buy. And I can mm -hmm. tell you, if you don't have the money and you go up against the federal government, I've got clients who've spent millions of dollars in legal fees just to prove their innocence. Innocence. It doesn't matter if you get found guilty or not. It just That's what it costs you. You'll go bankrupt in two seconds with these legal fees. I mean, it's stunning what it costs. So we have been attacked in far deeper ways than we'll ever know. And if you go to the top of the pyramid, you know, George Soros is clearly uh, someone that has been funding and backing many of these district attorneys who let people out. Now, I had an attorney recently tell me, oh, you know, he says, I, I, uh, I just got a guy off six felony, you know, break-ins, you know, into people's houses. I got him off with a misdemeanor. I'm just sitting here going, wow. Oh my gosh. Wow. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why heard you do that? <laughs> yeah. There was one attorney walking down the sidewalk in Beverly Hills, literally on a phone was overheard saying, you know, the jury bought my lies. We won. Mm -hmm. Said that, you know, in public. So this is, you know, the legal system, Clearly, if you have the right attorneys, you can bend things back and forth any way you want. And the judges, you know, basically sit there in the juries and they're going to literally 
make a decision on what they're told. And then, of course, we hear that there may be also a little influences going on with yes. certain parties. I mean, there's legal, you know, um, dowries that things are put into and, and legal, um, you know, funds that people fund. And they have great influences in these trials. So, it, you know, it's getting harder and harder to get an honest trial in this country. And you can see that right now by what's happening and um, in many areas. So um, it's called lawfare instead of warfare. Yes. And it's even more dangerous than people with a standing army or a gun in some ways, because it's a slow spiral into bankruptcy and death. And it's crazy. I mean, I've seen it. It's It's been going on. And this not only goes on here, it goes on in many other westernized countries. Oh, yeah. And since you'd mentioned Eisenhower and, he, and him saying, uh, beware of the military industrial complex, I realized I actually found out recently that in his one of his original drafts, uh, when he was working on this, he actually had crossed out and it was validated by his granddaughter, I, I believe. Mm. Uh, she actually saw him do it. And mm. the, uh, the, the paperwork is in a, uh, a museum at this point, I do believe. So he actually originally wrote, um, beware of the military uh, congressional, the, the military industrial congressional complex was his original yep. line. He, he crossed out correct, uh, a congressional and his reasoning for that, what he said was that he, he needed to get some stuff passed before he got out of office. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah. but that was the original yeah. line. So, so somehow that kind of fits lawfare mm -hmm. too, because it's, it's lawfare, but also it's, it's Congress and the Senate, you know? Yeah. The original 13th amendment was put forward by Jefferson before he died to keep barristers from occupying the White House. Barrister is an attorney. And there's a lot of good attorneys out there, but there's also, you know, people are taught what they call critical thinking, right? Well, you can bend that around to make any lie a truth or yes. just be questioned enough to where it puts ambiguity in there and then you can get what you want. So again, this relates to human consciousness. The lower conscious mind is very malleable. It's called the nefesh in the Aramaic and Hebrew. And of course, we just call it the lower conscious mind, which is really descriptive. And it's like silly putty. If you you see this in cults, you see this in certain religious organizations, sales groups, and various sects of society, motorcycle gangs, I don't care where you go, you indoctrinate someone and they resonate to it. You can get people to believe most anything. Look at the polarization that's gone on in this country. That is a very divisive technique of warfare, is to divide the populace. I mean, literally, families can't sit anymore at you know dinners and Thanksgiving and whatever they go to without fighting about who's right and who believes in what. Mm -hmm. It's been so polarized. And look at this whole thing going on right now with Israel and Palestine. It's a further division of the country. And clearly, no matter which side of the uh, thing you stand on, division always wins for those at the top. Because yes. once the fight's over with, they come in, pick up the pieces, and rule it. And you can rule a divided place much more than you can rule an organized, cohesive place. Oh, that's absolutely and true. the astrology is showing this. This is it. Now, not to get political on the show, oh, it's good. but it's I good. usually don't get to talk about this stuff much. No, it's good. It's good. <laughs> but the astrology mirrors it. You know, no matter which side of the fence you sit on, the astrology mirrors it. It's mirroring it to the T. 
and especially in this country. And I think the United States is the final pillar. Mm -hmm. If this place goes down, ba-boom, new one world order. You'll get digital currency. They will own this place. Yeah, it they is true. That it, yeah, now they're holding control it completely. Yeah, it is truly the shining city on the hill. It still is. And um, it's unfortunate with the division because something has happened to people where the complexity of a situation can't be analyzed. It's yeah. just right and wrong. It's 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 this side or that side where you really are not allowed in the country at the moment to say it's complex. You know, there, there, it, there were documents that leaked out many years ago. I won't mention which ones they were, but there's a lot of truth to them. And they literally said, we will create so many viewpoints. No one will figure out what's going on. It makes sense. Wow. It's very demonic. Well, it's very demonic. Oh, and I think that's something that's actually becoming a little bit more understood now recently, too, is um, Angels and Demons. Um, mm. there was a book that came out, oh, it was a couple years ago. I'm not sure how many years ago. What was that called? It was called, um, that's where it's really going on. That's what's yeah. behind the curtain here. Yeah. A, a new science of heaven by Robert Temple. He wrote that. And then somebody we had yeah. on recently, uh, Joseph Farrell, I think this is like his 42nd book he wrote about, uh, plasma angels and demons. And mm. the idea that angels and demons are actually plasma beings and they have this effect and so the idea of like uh, the Incan temple and cutting out the heart would be a blood sacrifice. Life is in the blood and it feeds the demonic plasma beings. So we're starting to get in, into at least a possible look at uh, mm -hmm. angels and demons being oh. uh, plasma mm -hmm. beings. Actually, now it's getting to the point where scientifically there could be this inorganic and or, or organic life form that has an intent and can influence like you mean they're real? It's like scientifically they're starting to. There's a case that they're that they're real scientifically. So wow. well, I yeah. definitely wanted. To, I'm so glad we we talked. And well, they're real. There's no doubt about oh, that. Oh, they're real. They're real. Yeah, now we don't need science to tell us, but that's very interesting and very good that science is supporting that because that gets people to believe. Yes. It. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh God, you see people who are possessed and properties that yes. are possessed. I know. I've done clearings. I've had stuff grab me so tightly. Oh man, it's powerful. And you, you have to be very careful with this. And, you know, there's many different modalities of exorcism or clearings, etc., that can be done. And this is powerful, and, powerful stuff. And things that have grabbed you, would that be uh, things that you could not see, but you could feel that grabbed you? Or is that? Well, yeah, they're, they're disincarnate souls, um, mm -hmm. elementals, demonic forces. They certainly can grab you. They'll do more than grab you. But but thank God most of us are divinely protected from that directly. Mm -hmm. But the demonic forces, you know, read the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis. Yes. That's a little taste. You'll, you'll see what's wrong with this world when you read that book. But um, that's a kind of a satire, but really an amazing book. Um, but yeah, you know, when you when you really look at this stuff, we all again, if the religions were really interesting in helping us. They would teach us methods of clearing and protecting the aura and shoving things out. They would teach us methods about these things rather than, you know, just upholding some religious figure. Not that, you know, that's wrong, but I, I would say that, you know, no matter which 
religion you go into, it's always throwing yourself at the feet of something rather than empowering. And, you know, for Christians, they you know, it's stated right in the original Christian documents, anything I can do, you can do. The same thing we hear in the ancient Vedantic documents and the Egyptian stuff. You know, the game is to disempower us and keep us subservient. This, you know, like books like the Book of Enoch, and many other ancient texts that speak to this, the Nephilim and the interaction with uh, many of the things you're mentioning about science is now beginning to say, hey, this stuff is real. And, you know, many of the UAP and UFO stuff is demonic and angelic forces. I always go back to that diagram that we showed earlier, and that is divinity is above. And if you always hold, no matter what your belief and faith is in God or whatever, you know, ever divine power, that is above. And the soul comes from that. And the demonic spirits may actually be forced to be embedded at the molecular level. This is why science will figure it out. If you look at an atom, it's got positive and negative charges, protons, electrons, right? And mm -hmm. each atom is made up of its atomic weight. And many other things I think we still don't know, like neutrinos are just one aspect. But what's fascinating is everything in this world has birth, growth, maturity, atrophy and decay. And the de demonic spirits are forced to be in that. Many of the ancient rabbinical texts speak about, and the Egyptian as well, how the evil spirits have to be involved in birth and death. They're forced to be by the upper angelic uh, uh, realms and God. So it's interesting, this particular dimension, at least earth, is a place where this happens where you have birth, you have growth, maturity, and experience, and death, and decay, dust to dust, right? So this is, you know, as old as antiquity. And I, I believe the evil spirits hate the human race and creation because they are forced to be in it, and they can't get out. You and I get out. We escape from Alcatraz. We get to reincarnate. We get to move on to other realms. And if the religions would quit suppressing, not that I'm blaming all religions, because some of them are very wonderful. Um, but, you know, if, if we could get more knowledge about the expansion and getting in touch with who we are, rather than this, oh, you only use 5% of your brain or 3%, you know, and, and start looking at these models of who are we really? we would begin to find, I think, a, a much more interesting life here. Um, you know, I, there's an old saying, we all go crazy in congregations, we get better one by one. I think no, Sting put that in a song once. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. my friend, I have to watch my time because I, I yes, only of course. an hour and a of half. Of course, yeah. Well, I've had you forever and thanks so much for you know being oh. on and, and like the uh, demonic beings being forced to be here reminds me of what Agent Smith said in The Matrix. He goes, I hate it here. I hate <laughs> being right. human, you know? And it uh, it's, it's, it's true, you know? And so yeah. we went over the the ascendant, the nose. I forgot about that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that I think that movie was very divinely inspired. So definitely, along with picking up the, the first one was stunning. The first yeah, one the really nailed it. It really first, did. First one divinely inspired for sure. So everybody go out there and read the screw tape letters. I started once but didn't finish it, so I'll pick it up again. Check out yeah. the Matrix and and, uh, <laughs> and yeah. that we went over the ascendant, the nose, touch on the moon, and of That's course one of the, my uh, favorite things. I always tell folks: forget Trinity, Neo, and Morpheus. Naughty astrology and this ancient stuff may actually be the matrix of the soul. 
or yes. at least we're experiencing in this incarnation. And I think our souls are so much more vast than astrology. What's interesting about astrology is how accurate it is. Like location astrology, you take your yes. birth, like in readings, I, I do personal readings where I give people a whole mm -hmm. bunch of stuff. They see their location astrology, they see their cycles, their whole life path in the Doshas and the Vedic, and then also prescribe gemstones, which are really powerful. Gems, people often say, does the gem have power? And I always say, no, I think it resonates power. It's like, think yes. of a tuning fork. If the gem had power, it'd be like, you know, your diehard battery it would run out, right? So mm -hmm. what's interesting is the gem resonates to the celestial energies and the crystalline nature, which is really magic, that's formed in the earth. Lab-grown gems can't do that, and they can't. Um, altered and treated gems can't do that. So I specialize in natural untreated gemstones that come out of the ground and they're very pure. And I set them at good astrological times to your birth chart. They're actually like talismans. And then you charge them on angelic squares, which are mathematical representations of the angel's imprint. And then you charge it with a prayer called a mantra. So it's really, mm. really powerful stuff. And I set all the gems so they touch the skin, whether it's a pendant or a ring or what have you. Mm. And I do a lot of custom designs. I encourage people to look on my website at that. There's yes. a lot of great stuff on there you can see. Yes, and you should definitely go to jeffharman.com and get a chart done by Jeff. We have not yet, but it's on the bucket list. And right. uh, we'll get a chart done by Jeff and definitely get an astrological amulet there to help us out. To, and um, thank you so much. We've touched on some of the deeper yeah. aspects of, of, of astrology. And uh, it's not just your sun sign, darn it. So go get a chart done and know who you are. <laughs> Take yeah. care. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, check out my YouTube channel too. So, all right, Jeff Harmon, astrologer, or Jeff Harmon, uh, Vedic astrologer. All Thanks right, so much you. for having me on, Craig. Bye. Oh, thank you. Bye.